And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And it's Friday. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Russell, CFP. Danny Ratliff, CFP. Thanks for spending your morning with us. And this week, actually this month, I cannot believe it's the end of September. But I can't believe we're going into Q4. Holiday. Yeah. yeah. With all the candy corn, all that fresh orange produce. <laughs> Either you love candy corn or you hate it. So do you love it? I do. Yeah. People don't like it. It's actually very good in a martini if you put it in a blender and you really... That's a whole other... Can we have a martini show on different martinis? And Sounds like you have a little bit of experience with this. I do. I do. I do. I've been creating different martinis for other parties. <clears throat> so, um, well, hey, the market's looking like it has a positive tone this morning. Lance was talking about the other day that uh, we're expecting an oversold bounce. Uh, that would make some sort of sense based on how oversold we are. But looks like futures are up. Ten-year treasuries are sort of where they are. Now, here's the big thing. A lot of big investors. So you have Larry Fink. I've never seen a person whose name is more appropriate. <clears throat> and Pershing swears Bill Ackman. Now, they're all pondering, Danny, higher treasury yields. So this is what Larry Fink said to Bloomberg. We're going to have 10-year rates at at least 5% or higher. And he, wouldn't be, he said he wouldn't be shocked to see 30-year Treasury yields well into the 5% barrier. That was with CNBC. And he's talking about something. We don't call it this. We call it permatory. But he's talking about something called structural inflation that, frankly, he is also responsible for indirectly with some of his ESG initiatives and what's going on with the energy business. And now we're seeing oil prices hit close to 100 bucks, right? So I don't, I always worry about where, <clears throat> based on our own bonehead policies, how inflation, how structural inflation is. So yes, some of the supply chain inflation has dropped off, but when you look at uh, inflation on sticky price inflation, you're seeing a very stubborn level here right now. And this is where I guess the market's stuck in the turbulence, Danny, of what is the Fed going to do? Will they raise again? Will they leave it? If they leave it alone, how long will they leave it? <clears throat> so, you know, this soft landing, only one we've experienced since 1995, seems rare to me. So I don't want to really put the probabilities of success on that. But, um, you know, there's a lot for the market to uh, actually be concerned about. Yeah, I get it. I think these were concerns all along that you get stuck between three and four, somewhere in that ballpark, that mm -hmm. it may be a little more difficult. And you talked about the structural differences with the stimulus, with the way that this was mm -hmm. treated in so many different ways, and not to mention just the environment that we're coming out of. And so, yeah. but, you know, you look at the data and, and, you know, we talk about good news being bad news and bad news being good news. Sometimes yeah. it's they're both bad news. Um, but 
Some of the data is not. I mean, like GDP revision wasn't anything no. to, you know, 2.2 to 2.1. Um, you know, it was a hard, it was a, it was a beat. It was nothing to your point. It yeah. I mean, it was a tad bit <laughs> lower. Um, we are seeing consumer sentiment fall this week. Pending home sales have fallen as yes. well. Um, you know, PCE index will come out this morning. Core PCE is expected to be a little bit lower year over year uh, from 4.2 to 3.9. Yeah. And I, that's, that's one true. of the bigger things that they're following. But you still look at all of those other flashing lights that are just suggesting, hey, there are still issues. Um, it's going to make it, I think, a little bit more difficult. And imagine what happens when you get rates that high. And the interesting thing is, like Lance and I talked about this on Wednesday, you know, J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon came out and said mm -hmm. the exact same thing. Well, I don't know that anybody's prepared for, you know, six, seven percent um, interest rates, right? And no, nobody is. I don't think the market's prepared for it. The economy's not prepared for it. The whole country isn't. Yeah, nobody's prepared for it. We, we broke things down in the four percent range, you know, four or five months ago. Well, that'll break something. Oh, certainly. So the issue will be is that, yes, maybe they can get there, but how long will they stay? At that point, I think you see, you don't have that higher for longer. I think you have that higher for momentarily. You know, it's a moment in time at this point. It's not a long one. Yes. Because then you start breaking things, you know, if things aren't already broken. And maybe they're not. Maybe it is that soft landing you, you mentioned. Um, I, you I don't know, have a whole listen, lot of faith in a, it. You know, to your point, it's... <clears throat> it's a crapshoot. There's, there's not a lot of it, there's a lot of mud in the data. So right now, what you said, eight thirty Eastern, we'll have personal income and spending. We'll have core PCE at ten a.m. We'll get uh, the latest consumer sentiment figures. Um, there is talk that personal income spending is up only because of energy prices being up. Um, so we're going to see what these numbers look like. And Fed obviously is going to. Uh, these are the numbers that they pay attention to, but you know, it, it, it may be stubborn again. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I thought the fed maybe had one more rate hike in them. I'm doubting that now, but what I'm not doubting is the fact that maybe we have to stick it out longer with higher rates, especially where employment is. So it's going to take a lot to budge that needle uh, to, to, move people, you know, to get the unemployment rate up. <clears throat> it's going to take a lot more time. So it's like a slow erosion that's going to occur. But you do have a lot of these people uh, saying that without even taking advantage, not even looking at the debt. I mean, when they talk about these numbers at higher yields on treasury yields, usually, I mean, I understand it's also a function of growth as well as inflation, but you know, these growth rates that we're going to see, unless there's something big coming along, I mean, I don't see this re, reboost, rebound to the economy, especially with the longer term drag based on demographics and other factors. Yeah, what's the catalyst? Factors. I don't know. Short term, though, the narratives, you guys, I think, talked about this, or at least I think maybe on Thursday. Narratives are so strong. Everybody gets sucked into the vortex of stories. Because that's what these are. These are stories that we get compelled, we, that catch our ear, we get sucked into, and actually people will invest <clears throat> based on these stories or want us to invest based on these stories. And we have to go in and decide, well, which ones of these stories are really short stories or horror stories, and do you want to be involved in these stories? Um, but the narratives are very strong and they get pressed a lot and the algorithms back them up. And that's a problem if you're an investor and you're trying to find good investments for the long term. 
more than just two hours, which is tough. You know, people don't look at three, five, seven year consistency of returns. They're only looking at, well, whoa, gosh, the NASDAQ's up 30%. Yeah, depending on what you got in, I, I think tech stocks for what, off maybe 10, 9, 10% off their high? They're going through a corrective phase right now, aren't they? They are. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of things that are doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, and I think that's what's difficult about the last month mm -hmm. and a half, two months, is that we've seen interest rates shoot up well, on really no data that suggests that they need to, other than the Fed suggesting, hey, we're going to keep these rates elevated a little bit longer. We're not going to do what well, they took two hikes off the table here uh, in 2024. At least that's what they're saying. Now, we know that can change very quickly. So, you know, we have to take this with a grain of salt a lot of times, especially when we look at the mm -hmm. markets as, in, as a whole. I think that, you know, we're likely going to get that. We're getting that oversold bounce. I think you're likely going to see that within fixed income here at some point, uh, especially if data this morning doesn't come out great. You know, these are some key indicators they as are. far as what the Fed watches. We'll be back with a lot more to share with you this morning on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. We're going to talk about today insecurities in the SECURE Act, but I will tell you there's an important update, but I think it's actually positive, not negative. Usually these updates are positive. They make it sound like a negative, but it's positive. How many times can I say negative and positive until I cancel myself out? Um, so here's something, Danny. This is interesting. This is a published new report from T. Rowe Price about 401k loans. So it just talks about and the alarming dip in emergency savings. So everybody's running out of cash. We are running out with all our crazy spending. So... 70% of the participants have failed to save six months worth of emergency expenses. We suggest a year, especially as you go into soft period. We call it the financial vulnerability cushion. 46% have less than 1,000 saved for unexpected costs. So here's what participants cited. They said rising credit card debt, rising mortgage payments, and car payments. Three reasons there's an inability to save. So this, they, the, act, the blame is on the credit card debt, the mortgage debt, and car payments. That's why. So loan, but here's the thing, loan upticks were observed across every age bracket. But ages, be, so those between 50 and 59 were the largest borrowers holding the, har, the uh, highest loan balances. You would think that people at that point in time are going to do whatever they can not to borrow so this is um so this on the company's analysis of the retirement plan customers <clears throat> and points to participants who invest in target date products so, so they're the finding says of what that loans are higher from 401ks yeah and 13 percent of participants only 13 percent of participants make catch-up contributions when they hit 50. Uh, that's that's not a good number, but I, I get it. I, I understand why, right? I mean, we're seeing inflation, cost of living's up. But we've uh, done this before, right? Rates, Even yeah. when in mortgage rates, when interest rates were low, 
we weren't saving any money now, it's even worse. And the leakage is even worse. Well, here's what I don't I don't get, right? So okay, so they, they cited mortgage. Credit cards. Credit cards and auto loans, right? Mm-hmm. And auto loans, we know delinquencies have crept up. Mm-hmm. Mortgages, nobody's getting new mortgages. These are all mortgages at two, three, and four percent. Yeah, it should these be people right. Are moving right. Well, correct, but well, I mean, unless I think, they have adjustable rate mortgages. Yeah, but, but I think that's probably a lot fewer than people that are doing traditional mortgages at 15, 30 years. I think most people yeah. are doing thirty years. Shoot, we know most people's payments, down payments, are like three or four or five percent. Right. So yes, their payments are higher to get in a home. But I don't think that we've seen this great uptick in um, people home sales. Homes yeah. And sales. Well, maybe that was the younger cohort. Um, and maybe it just feels like the mortgage payment's worse because everything else is higher, right? Just there's another strain on it. So maybe that's why they looked at it. But I understand the credit card debt, to your point. Yeah, credit card debt, debt. <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, especially looking at personal savings rates has, have declined. Credit card debt has gone up. I mean, we're, we're at 2008, 2009 levels, actually higher. <laughs> So mostly it's 50 to 59 that are having these issues. I'm wondering if they're taking the money out for t- to lend to their kids who are having mortgage payment problems. That, that I would not be surprised. Yeah, they're like, what the heck? It doesn't get that far into the survey, but I would not be shocked. Yeah. Do not forsake your retirement for your children. Well, but that does spell trouble down the road. Yes. You can only go so far with this, right? You can only make these ends meet for so long, especially with these higher interest rates on those variable rates. That becomes a bigger problem. Um, and, and when and where? I mean, we're already seeing stricter lending policies in a lot of other areas. When does that really trickle down? And you see that when they may say, hey, credit card balances, they're tapped. They're not going to continue to increase them. Um, and the funny part is now the government wants to, they want to allow you to even tap your money, your 401k, even more in the Secure Act. <laughs> so there's not enough leakage already. Well, that money's taxable. This is leaking like a diaper at the White House. (laughs) Sorry. Am I allowed to say that? It's too late. Uh, Too late now. (laughs) Sorry. You've been, have you been thinking about that one for a while? No, it just came up. All right. So, um, (laughs) or went out or whatever. Um, So, (laughs) Brent is the loveliest shade of tomato (laughs) right now. I never seen him so red. Except when he's, you know, never really seen you that red. Well, except for eating some peppers or something. Or you're having your, your peppered maple syrup. So the Secure Act 2.0, there are certain delays that we've seen. So one of the, I actually think one of the positives to it was that high income wage earners, when they make pre-tax catch-up contributions to their employer plans, although now we find out that only 13% of people do that, um... As part of the SECURE Act 2.0, at the beginning of 2024, if you made, say, 145000 in wages or, or greater, um, you would no longer be able to make catch-up contributions to your pre-tax portion of your 401k. I think that was a positive. In other words, this whole SECURE Act has got one big four-letter word written on it, and it doesn't start with F. It starts with R. It's Roth. There's a lot of Roth enhancement to this, isn't it, Danny? I mean, we see a lot of boosting to Roth, and it makes sense based on what we talk about, the J.G. Wentworth effect, when the government needs cash now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at all of the provisions within this plan. I mean, it is essentially spelling out that pay me now 
versus later. And that's why you're not seeing this big push on pre-tax anymore. Mm-hmm. And for years, you know, the there's been all of this kind of water cooler talk about, oh, Roths are going to go away. Roths are going to go away. Or they're going to tax them. Well, they've already been taxed. Those funds have been taxed. <laughs> exactly. So they're putting those funds into here. And that's why you continue to see this big push on, you know, putting funds in the Roth, having funds contrib- contributed after taxes have been paid. I mean, look, you know, we were talking about interest rates earlier. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about how much interest the service that they have to service mm-hmm. on the debt, right? That's why they're going to force your catch-up contributions Correct. into Roth. But that's the best thing they're doing for you. They don't think they're doing anything that's good for you, but they are. Because, because what we- comes next? <laughs> Higher taxes. Correct. Right? So they... They are not only doing the J.G. Wentworth, we're going to see higher tax rates. So Danny and I have been talking about for as long as we've been on this show, you have to diversify your accounts. You just can't have pre-tax accounts and save taxes now. you got to worry about taxes later. You will not fall into the lowest tax bracket in retirement when you consider the taxation on your Social Security benefits. You just won't. Some will. Most won't. So the force to Roth won't happen for two years. Because this, and I was wondering, we were wondering if the systems would even be in place to do this, even though you would think it, they would be. So the IRS is acting like they're giving you all a break because you can still choose. But we say, don't listen to it. Don't worry about it. You should be making, if you're five years from retirement, matter of fact, I don't even, you know, that's sort of our general rule for pre-retirees about catch-up contributions and Roth. But I will tell you, I direct all younger investors, Gen Zs, into Roth. The, the, the pre-tax portion, I'm not concerned about. So you won't be forced into the rights, the Roth side of the plan until 2026. So if you make 145000 and you have catch-up contributions, so write your high wage earner so they know you're going to pay more in taxes, especially when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunsets. So they're... And the government doesn't look five, 10 years out. They're only caring about now. So they know that if you're a high wage earner, and you would have socked that money pre-tax, they're not going to collect cash. Pushing it into Roth, forcing it into Roth, especially when the marginal tax rate squeezed down to 22 and 24%, they're going to get more money. So they're smart to do it in the short term. In the long term, they'll probably regret it. Regret it. But we don't. nobody looks at anything long term in the government, right? So, But for you, this is a positive. For investors, it's a positive to do more in Roth. Make those catch-up contributions in Roth. So... Some people thought the catch-up contributions were going to be eliminated altogether because of how the wording was in the SECURE Act. So that's not true. There are catch-up contributions, but they were going to force it in Roth. Now we're going to have to wait and see uh, what the case is. You know, it seems like there's been a lot of wait and see with this SECURE Act and SECURE Act 2.0 where they roll a provision out. And then they say, wait, nope, we're not quite sure how the attorneys are going to um, you know, look at this. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, but the insecurities in the SECURE Act are going to be good for you because you're going to still follow the plan of putting more money into Roth, especially if you're five to 10 years from retirement. You do not want to have one bucket of pre-tax money all taxed as ordinary income. <clears throat> you want the ability to craft a retirement income Paycheck from different and have some tax assets. control, right? Correct. Where, yeah. So, you know how many people that I meet with? You probably do too. That actually regret 
now that they're <clears throat> in RMDs and they want to buy things and do certain things that they go, I should have never put all my money in pre-tax accounts. Oh, I many people. I should have done this raw thing so long ago. I said, well, tell your children. Let us tell your children. And, and many of these people have been fantastic savers oh, inside their savers. retirement yeah, plans. Right. But the majority of their wealth is inside those retirement plans or maybe mm-hmm. their home. And now they want to go out and check bucket list items off. And maybe they're spending more right now than what they would typically do. And now you're subject to Social Security taxation, which most people are going to be subject to some type of taxation on that. Right. It's, it's tough to get around that. Right. Um, Medicare premiums. Medicare that, Irma charge. Right. Additional yep. charges on top of your Medicare premium. Like how many people come to you and say, hey, you know, I'd like to buy this boat or I'd like to do this. I want to lend my kids money. I have a, I want to, it's about 50, 100,000. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's all going to come out of pre-tax. You know, that's all ordinary income. And here's how it's going to affect your Medicare. Here's what's going to happen to your Social Security. Here's the tax bracket you're going to be. You've lost flexibility when it comes to taxes. And if you think taxes are going lower... We can all hope, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. We get back. We're gonna talk about a few other things. We'll talk about Medicare Advantage. An instance I have coming up today, but some conversations I've had about it. We're in the Medicare Advantage, or Medicare season, in October. October fifteenth, coming quick. Yay! Be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com if we ever uh grand torino if that movie ever comes back and we recast that clint eastwood well lance has got the part he doesn't even have to act. Get off my lawn. What is he going to do if Mrs. Roberts goes ahead and takes out the Halloween decorations? He's going to do nothing. He's going to do nothing. Because he's nothing. afraid of her. We're all afraid of her. This, we, we, he's not going to do anything. If she wants those darn things out, Mrs. Roberts, take... Mrs. Roberts, tear down that closet and get out those finan- those decorations for Halloween. You know, the funny thing is that Lance what? has probably already done that for her. I know. He- <laughs> I bet he's wearing a funny pumpkin costume for her. Whatever she wants. And that's what he should be doing. So he's so tough. He's like a little teddy bear. He's know? probably running around in a maid's outfit right now. Oh, my God. It's a vision nobody I'm, wants to I'm see. I'm not going there. See, I didn't go there, Lance. Oh, man. Hey, we know how this works. If Mrs. Roberts says, go and get those Halloween decorations, you know what he's going to be doing? Crying in the corner like a little girl. And then he's going to go get them. I think he's just going to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Let me get them. How fast do you want them? And again, I think that's the way he should do it. Because he's afraid. I'm afraid. (laughs) Do it. He just said that is probably a true statement. (laughs) We love you, Mrs. Roberts. We do. Fill your pain, Lance. I know By the way, Mrs. Roberts is definitely the better of those two. She's great. 
Um, <clears throat> so October 1st, we are going to get bombarded on TV, especially if you're me watching old westerns. All right? Because those old westerns seem to be a magnet for Jimmy J.J. Walker and Joe Namath and Will, William Shatner to talk about Medicare Advantage. So these are when these plans are going to be aggressively marketed starting a, you know, October 1st, but then we have open enrollment between October 15th and December 7th. So Medicare beneficiaries can either change, sign up, switch to new Medicare Advantage plans. <clears throat> so CMS has, there, there's, there's a steep rise in complaints due to the marketing, Danny, shock of Medicare Advantage and Part D drug plans. And KFF, the Kaiser Family Foundation, found that nearly 650,000 airings of Medicare ads appeared during the nine weeks of advertising, more than 9,500 airings per day, and they're all during the old Westerns, right? So the TV ads for Medicare Advantage, they show images of a government-issued Medicare card, urge viewers to call a Medicare hotline, that people are missing out on benefits. That's the one I listen. I want the benefits I'm entitled to. So I'm calling the number today. So that's happening, right? Extra benefits. Dental, vision, hearing, lower out-of-pocket spending. Silver sneakers, right? All this kinds of stuff. Very seducing kind of stuff going on, Danny, because I have a request from one of our RIA clients that's looking to get out, who's had issues in the past, health issues, who is looking to get out of <clears throat> his Part G to go to Medicare Advantage because he's hearing all these great things and Ooh, his friends no. are telling oh, I know. That's what I'm going to say. No, no, no. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to say hello to him when I call him. I'm going to say, this is Dr. No. No, no, no. When I call him. We are not switching to Medicare Advantage. Well, it is seductive. I mean, I, it I, is. I, I it get is. it. You know, no <laughs> premium payments. A lot of times you get a... You know, the, the toaster oven has now mm -hmm. been traded off for the gym membership <laughs> or the sneakers or an Apple Watch. Um, but it all comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. And that cost is better health care down the road if you need it. And the problem that you'll face, especially if you do have health you know, conditions or you experience some in the future, is that you only get that one guaranteed period of when you're insured without having to undergo underwriting. Which at that point they could decline you, your payments could be through the roof, and it's not—it's just not feasible. So, did you know half of Medicare plan enrollees drop their plan within three to five years? This is according to a new study. They are not—they don't—they don't. There are three main reasons people leave: the additional benefits are lacking, the networks to provide the networks are too restrictive. And out-of-pocket costs for things like ambulance, hospital, stays, lab work, x-rays are unreasonable. And they always show healthy seniors running, working out, doing all those things. And yes, Medicare Advantage plans are all in one. Medicare generally doesn't have dental and vision. They're very seducing. Okay, And I don't know what benefits you're missing out on. So they tease you to call. Well, you're not so. missing out unless you don't do your homework, right? I mean, that's <laughs> right, the right. problem is that right. this is easy. Here's everything bundled in one big package. It's going to be all of it, right? You're right. going to get your typically, not always, but you're typically going to get you know, your part A, your B. Mm -hmm. the, Medicare Advantage is called C. You also get your D. These are like all in one, drug. right? Everything's all in one pot versus Correct. you having to say. You're not I, doing a la carte. <clears throat> 
Yeah, right. I'm getting the G. I'm getting my D. Then I'll go do my dental, my right. hearing, my vision. And, and those three are typically not all that expensive. But it is interesting that they don't cover it with original Medicare. Yes. However, original Medicare just requires a tad bit more homework. And there are plenty of really good people that sell health insurance to do a great job with this stuff, right? And it doesn't cost you any more. The one thing is you want to work with somebody who's independent who can go out and kind of look for the best the best policies and somebody with some experience who's not just going to put you in you know, the, this newest, greatest product, which may be here today, but not here tomorrow. You know what, Danny, I never thought of it, but also these, the, a better salesperson possibly for Medicare Advantage is probably what's going to, the person I'm calling today is a neighbor or people that have had good experiences with them and say, well, we're not paying anything. We have no deductibles, right? It's just like when I when I say, oh, yeah, well, I'm, my, my, my stock portfolio is up 75%. Why is your up three? You know, so even neighbors now who are <clears throat> in these plans are trying to, you know, and again, I don't think they, they, they don't want to mislead anybody, but they do make it sound great. So we have to steer people back to their own financial condition, their own physical condition. But it may not be pre- today's condition. That's the problem I think many people have. That's is true. That they think, OK, I'm healthy today. Everything's great. But what happens in three, four, five, ten years? And I don't want to just be trapped into this network, or I want a certain treatment that Hospital A offers that Medicare Advantage says, sorry, we do this. So if you so what should people do? Think about this, Danny. During open enrollment, mm-hmm. even if you got Medigap DG, which we suggest, or at least one of the Medigap plans, you should still shop your Part D prescription drug coverage. It's always good every year to do your homework. And if you need to switch a plan, this is the time that you want to start doing your homework to do it. A lot of money's left on the table for people not shopping. It doesn't hurt to shop, but you do need to understand, you know, you're not always going to be covered, you know, from going from one plan to the next. You're always covered on the plan you're on if that's what you start with. And but you start moving somewhere else, that's when you you could have potential issues. And listen, I know a lot of people that have used Medicare Advantage. They've had good experiences. But what we also know is the the bad ones. And you hear a lot more about the bad ones because... Because it's a serious illness, right? It, it it's, is. It's something that goes on that, oh my gosh, I cannot do this particular treatment for this cancer that I have. Or you maybe you can, but you have to go through a process of approvals. Yes. So they have to approve you to go see this specialist. Well, how long does that take? Now, I, I know people that it's taken weeks, months. I have clients serious condition the co- co- through the pandemic. It yeah. was so months so happened. now you're you know you can't get access to the care that you require in a timely fashion, which you know time can be of the essence. We're talking about your life here, so you know hopefully you're not experiencing any of this stuff, but it is out there and it is a problem, and it's one of the reasons why we typically advise people against Medicare Advantage. Now Medicare Advantage has come a very long way. In a lot of ways, right? It used to only be HMO plans. Now we're seeing PPO plans. Right. But the, still, the process behind it, the accessibility to specialized care is just not what it needs to be. Yep. So Erica asked, can you shop Part D separately? Yes, your mom, Erica, should shop Part D plans through open enrollment. She might be, if she's unhappy with her plan, she needs to have her prescription drugs in hand. Right. The names of what she takes and, and, you know, obviously for her zip code and start going through and seeing the process because it's not just saving money 
on, say, the particular prescriptions. It's also the delivery methods, other things that she may not like. Every older American with Part D should shop it every year, and most don't. And this is your window of time to do it. Okay, and you can switch your plan and then you would start your new plan in January of 2024. If I have a Medicare Advantage plan, I have one client that every year he shops his Medicare Advantage plan. <clears throat> he, I, I have talked to him about switching. He will not do it. So he goes through the homework every year and he almost switches every year. <laughs> we've talked to people who don't even like not even going to get the insurance. I'm like, well, what happens when we need something? Well, I'll just walk in the woods. Okay. <laughs> sure your family's going to love that idea. I'm going to walk in, but I'm not walking out. I mean, we have had people at, at you know, when we were doing in-person events tell us, I mean, I, we've had multiple people tell us exactly that. Mm. It's like, all right, well. So everybody's talking about Robert Stack. Great actor. Robert Stack would have been a great actor for Medicare Advantage. Because who's not going to buy something from Elliot Ness. Brent's laughing because he knows. The Untouchables. Great show. Great film, by the way, with Kevin Costner. We get back, we're going to talk about, uh, well, we'll see. Oh, survivor benefits for Social Security. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com welcome back so tomorrow we're going to be doing our candid coffee about progression planning for life well lived that's just my name for estate planning and the reason I call it progression planning is you'll have to tune in tomorrow, Saturday, September 30th, 8 o'clock Central Time, realinvestmentadvice.com. You can sign up. I will tell you, it's going to be not your typical dry estate planning conversation because a lot of it's going to be the qualitative, the emotional hurdles you need to do to feel actually excited about getting this stuff done to the people you leave behind. So it's the emotional hurdles, it's the communicating your wishes, the documents. Yes, we get into the, dro the dry, dead documents, but only for a little bit, right? Because your estate planner attorney will go through that, but we want to at least give you some idea of how that works. And then resources, really good resources that you will need. So we hope you turn in. We have a pretty good turnout for tomorrow. You know, some topics we do are very broad-based. Some are very narrow. And always with the narrow ones, I always worry that people are not going to sit in. But it seems like we've got a good turnout. But, of course, this is over Zoom. So you all can attend. So go to Real Investment Advice. Mm -hmm. Go to the Investing tab. And mm -hmm. under Events, you can go mm -hmm. sign up. So realinvestmentadvice.com. You are on YouTube. I'm about to put the link there for mm -hmm. you guys. <clears throat> It'll be good. I mean, Danny and I make it entertaining, uh, engaging. You might have people in your family who
who are hesitant to do this. And because they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to think about it, they'll let you worry about it. And it's not your job to worry about it. They should be doing it and making it easier for you because we, we see, Danny and I, a lot of friction that happens. Not because of an estate plan that's done from the paperwork perspective. From the intentions behind it that are never communicated while an individual is alive. And that's important. And there are ways to have this conversation and times to have it and make it easier on you and make it easier for people who are there. And this is part of the progression planning, right? Your vision of what your legacy is going to be when you are not here anymore. So I think it's important if you want to tune in, we keep it light. And again, we keep it at an hour. We try not to go any further than that just because we know you guys are busy. Yeah. And we and, are too. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you might have, again, you may have some of your, your moms, your dads that have been hesitant to do it, or maybe they just need a refresh, right? They haven't updated their documents in a while. Maybe they haven't talked to the family. They still should attend this webinar. And we're going to have more, we're going to have some coming up. We're going to have webinars and candy coffees on uh, Medicare and social security. I mean, what we try to do is really go under the financial bed and pull the dust bunnies. We will clean where no other financial advisor will. A lot of advisors, even today, do not want to talk about Medicare. They don't want to talk about Social Security. They only want to talk about the should you buy Meta versus Google. And that is not financial planning. <clears throat> that is not wealth planning. Decisions like we're helping you with today when I have to make this phone call about Medicare Advantage or, you know, these are the things your advisor is supposed to be doing. It's a holistic approach to looking at your money. Yes, I'm not saying the portfolio isn't important. It is important, but it's not everything. So I just need you to remember that. So Social Security, there are a lot of ways for survivors to take benefits, right? So um, as a widow, you are eligible for survivor benefits, generally speaking, especially if you have been a lower-earning spouse. But I think, Danny, what's most important, I had someone the other day, <clears throat> client of ours, his friend just took Social Security at 62. Okay. And I said... I said, you may not know the answer to this, but did he, is, well, is he married? He goes, yeah. He goes, did he talk to his spouse about this? He goes, I don't think so. Is he still working? He's not working anymore. But he said, okay. I'm going to get everything out of this system I can. But the problem is, he's looking at a break even for Social Security. First, he's going to cut his benefit, right, by at least 25%. Hey, listen, if you need the money, you need the money, right? We've, yeah, helped, people, we've helped people all the time to say, listen, you, you, you need to put food on the table or pay the rent or the mortgage. I totally get it. And you're not working. Totally get it. You, you're disabled. God forbid. Whatever. You, you need to do it. That's great. But if I have a spouse and I'm in relatively healthy 
and that spouse hasn't paid it to the system like I have. And I haven't even talked to my spouse about it. I should be in big trouble because I have now cut the survivor benefit to my lower earning spouse for the rest of his or her life. And generally, women are the ones who are affected because they live longer. So if I take a cut to my benefit, because I'm going to get everything out of the system now, and I'm only looking at my life expectancy, I'm not looking at the life expectancy of me and my spouse, right? So a lot of times, Danny, we're, we're not making the right decision from a family perspective. Or at least, we find men that just, there were studies that show men just do that. They don't even talk with their spouses about it. They don't understand survivor benefits, spousal benefits, and they wind up making the very wrong decisions, right? Yeah, quite often. And you know, it's, it's always interesting that I find that people, in general, I think a lot of people make really good decisions around this and they know the numbers. <laughs> yeah. They've run it, they may have their Excel spreadsheet, we run it for them. Um, you know, we can show with cost of living adjustments, what this actually looks like, and then what how do you get the most bang for for your buck? And many times, if you file correctly, and you have a spouse, you're going to see an increase in what you're going to receive in benefits mm -hmm. of six figures. I mean, that's no chump change, right? You no, know, when you lump sum it, yeah. And, and I think I that's mean, that's the thing is that I think that a lot of people don't lump sum it. And in some ways, it's <laughs> good. In some ways, it's bad. But I think it's bad in this way is that they just say, well, the payment's going to be X amount versus you know. I had, if I delay, it's only going to be this much more. Right. So I yesterday I ran one and I had a uh, really lovely clients and they want to do the right thing. I said, if you just take it like everybody else does, your lump sum. Oh, and that's just not that's just using normal life expectancy. It's not using say you live longer because yep. then it's exponentially better. Oh, way better. But it was like one point six million dollars in a lump sum. If they do it the way I want them to do it. It's $2.3 million. I said, so do you feel like you want to leave these major sums off the table? Again, normal life expectancy. I'm not even talking about, hey, if you live longer, because then the numbers are exponentially better. Because what Social Security is, is longevity insurance. Right? And I know a lot of people that seem to know when they're going to die. <clears throat> oh, I'm not going to live that long. Well, I'm 70, 78? <laughs> I ain't gonna live that long. Well, what do you got, some magic death eight ball? How the heck do you know? What if you do? What if your spouse does? If your spouse is younger, even if they're not, women outlive us by probably like seven years, <clears throat> what kind of position are you placing on that individual? So this is tricky. When it comes to especially widows between the ages of 60 and 70, because once a widow becomes eligible for Social Security benefits, for survivor benefits, as early as 60, by the way, which we don't suggest them take, how do that person start the benefit? What if that person qualifies for Social Security on their own record? How does that fit overall? What about if that individual is working? Right, So <clears throat> we have to be careful on how we handle these situations for surviving spouses to take that actual benefit. Say you do the right thing. 
Say you you pass away at 68, you haven't taken it. Well, your survivor is going to get a larger benefit, but depending upon the age of the ben of your survivor, if that survivor is working, if that survivor has their own benefit, how does that all fit into the mix? So a lot of Social Security workers will encourage widows to start their survivor benefit at age 60, and that'll cause a 28.5% reduction to their benefit, right? So there are ways that you have to couple these. I had one client the other day, Danny, I had to say, well, she wasn't working. I don't want her to take the survivor benefit, which is the greater of she's got her own benefit. She's got money on her own record. She's 63 years old. So here's what we talked about. I said, you're 63. We don't want to take your husband waited to take Social Security. You've got a nice survivor benefit coming. We take it now. It will not be what you need it to be. You're not full retirement age. But here's what we could do. We leave that benefit alone. We take your benefit, even though it's a reduced benefit, and then we switch later on, which was totally different advice, by the way, than the Social Security Administration is, gave her. So you need to have an advisor that knows Social Security and helps you make the right decisions. But not over the weekend. We don't, we don't talk about that. We got Halloween decorations to put out. Right, Mr. Roberts? You betcha. So did you, yours are already out. You left them up year-round, right? I, <laughs> Skeleton still in the yard, sitting on the bench, waving at people. I did buy a eight-foot Michael Myers. Did you really? For my front yard. You all have a great weekend, everybody. See you Monday. Monday.